0: So, of course, this uh, we're just starting our new uh, first episode of 2023 and we're just getting straight into Panat Naikos, who's going to be one of the, our main topics today, uh, as well as a crazy game in Belgrade between Barcelona and, and Red Star. Uh, we have some uh, free agency topics, NBA topic. We will try to rank the best centers in the West. And for sure, we'll do a short recap of 2022. And we will give some bold predictions for 2023. So before we start, please subscribe Basket News channel on YouTube. Uh, join BasketNews.com and BasketNews uh, BN Plus community on BasketNews.com slash plus for more extra content, uh, including uh, additional podcasts. For example, uh, this week we'll have another Q and A session, and the entire episode will be available only for BN Plus uh, members. Uh, I believe that we will have some interesting events and stuff inside BN Plus community with some nice gifts. Uh, with some nice jersey and, and a lot of things are going to be uh, there in the upcoming months. So join us not only for podcasts, not all the, all for the, uh, for uh, the ability to win those prizes, but also for some uh, extra features on basket So,
1: by the way, I want to compliment yeah. you on a very good interview oh. with, with Coach Trinchieri. I Thank you so much. For listen, that was amazing. I listened to the interview, it was so awesome. Uh, of course, it's, it, it, it's easier when you're interviewing Trinkieri, not just somebody else. Yeah, that's he true. gives He's, you so many. You just need quotes. to put him
0: on the right Yes, path exactly. To express. Uh, my favorite question
1: himself. was was the one about Alan Iverson. Mm. My, my favorite question because his answer uh, was so broad when he started talking about him being a, the GM and what coach he would want to have. And when he explained that I would like to have a coach that one year he can play one way. Mm-hmm. Second year, he can play in different way. He can play with a uh, quick, uh, small point guard. He can play with a tall, slow point guard. And uh, just basically listening to Trinkieri for somebody who's a basketball fan, is it's like music to your ears because you always get some interesting thoughts on, the, on different yeah. topics. And not only basketball, I, I would say oh, yeah. he had some things to say about life in general exactly. not only basketball it was a great interview actually yeah. I loved it
2: it's like going to the theater because also in the way how trinkeri talks you know in such a the- theatrical way yeah. I don't know not not <laughs> not your usual uh conversation yes yeah, so, so, some some can
0: say that he complained a lot uh, and there were a lot of complaints but he also touched some good points and fair points about the current European basketball system but as as well as also. I
1: wouldn't say that's complaining. I think it's fair. I think some of his thoughts were discussed uh, by this table, like the playing tournament for EuroLeague, the yeah. uh, basketball calendar that does not make any sense and is not uh, player-friendly. Uh, also that uh, players need time off to craft their skills, which they don't have right now in Europe. You need to have a, at least a month off where you can just work individually. Uh, all these things he said more or less were uh,
0: mentioned yeah. by this table, but by, it, by us. It was nice that he had a, an inner look at yeah, these issues and, exactly. and these points. And uh, also
1: made. him complaining, I cannot blame him. You look at the state of Bayern Munich this season, they always have five or six players injured, especially when they arrived in konas uh, You interviewed him on... Before the game? Yeah, before the game. It was a, game, game yeah. day of the morning. Uh, so yeah, morning of the game. Like, day. They were missing five players. Yeah, three Bongo of, three of play them the were guards, yeah. ball handlers. What do you expect uh, when a coach is in a situation like this? I don't see other teams suffering as much as Bayern Munich is suffering
2: this season, to be honest. So I don't blame him if he does complain at, at some point. But I think he just uh Trinkeri mentioned those things that in the coaches' community are talked often. Yeah. I probably. think and, and most of them would agree on what Trinkeri said, especially about the changes needed to be made in European competitions. Yeah, I
0: remember when I interviewed Itudis, he also mentioned some things, but he was more he was not so open about some 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 stuff, you know, but Trinkeri was was direct with the issues and with the potential solutions. Although I'm not so sure if the Euroleague or, or FIBA will manage to handle it and to solve those issues in the upcoming future. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you can watch this interview also on BasketNews.com uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and let's let's get back to Panathinaikos. So, who, as as uh, Dimitris Yanokopoulos uh, mentioned, since no one has the guts to apologize to the fans or the club for getting crushed yesterday, I'll do it myself. Uh, what do you think? Who who was to take the most blame or boost for Olympiacos' loss? Or who who should have taken the blame for that game? I want to hear Riti's opinion first.
1: Or <laughs> opinion. opinion. Uh, first of all, we should blame Olympiacos for being, obviously, the better team.
2: And we <laughs> should blame... But sh- shouldn't you blame then Panathinaikos' uh, organization for not making... Exactly,
1: it? for sure. But that's what I've been talking about this whole season this whole hmm. year, even before the season started. Yeah. I never had any belief in this roster. And when they had a four-game winning streak, it was nothing special, honestly. They beat Asvel, they beat Virtus. Virtus at home, they Algaris. beat Algiers, and they beat struggling Milan. And mm. I, I'm not saying that a 24-point blowout is excusable. But at home. At home, especially in Oaka, But the difference in quality is so obvious. I mean, you can expect in, in one game to have a better chance to beat Olympiacos, but in general, Olympiacos players will always be fired up for, for a derby. They might have a walk in some other regular season games as we saw, uh, but not in this game. The body language, uh,
2: the difference in body languages were just, was just ridiculous yeah. to me. The, the difference in, and and I think in that did. department.
1: It, and, and it would be stupid to say that Pau play, players uh, were not motivated, were not prepared for no. the derby, or that the coach didn't do something. It's just that Olympiacos is a much better team. And when they have this fire and desire, I think it's pretty logical that they win the game. 24 points, yes, maybe it's too much, could have been better. But again, power they, they always play this ISO basketball. Dwayne Bacon finished with 30. He's probably happy about himself. He's he would that's say that's the problem. He would say like me. I did my part. Where were you guys? he, actually, he was applauded
0: I, I, by fans. So, which I think it was unfair. I mean, because if you look at the box score, it it looks like that he was the only one who was fighting for the Bride of Aikos. But if uh, you look deeply at the second quarter, uh, his body language, the way he was orchestr- orchestrating when, the when, office. when did he start? He scoring? played defense. It was
2: it was horrible. When did he start scoring? In the end of the second quarter? When they were down by... 18, I think. Yeah.
0: And it was basically a G League basketball.
2: And it's like, how can you expect to win playing individually and against a team who knows exactly where it wants to attack you and just plays beautiful basketball? Like, Olympiacos are going to get better shots 90 possessions of the time. Like, and how can you expect to win when you're... Uh, per- shot percentages is, is every possession is higher than than the other team, and uh, there just there were so many problems from Powell, like Bacon and Williams just not passing the ball when they collapse the defense. I I get it, you score thirty, but he's taking such difficult shots that your teammates are always like almost every shot Bacon takes is uh, there is a teammate that. On the court, with the hands open like this, like passing. Usually in the corner. Usually in the corner, whatever. Like in in a lot of in a lot of situations, you see that. And to me, in Panathinaikos' locker room, there is there are two teams, if 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 not more. Like to me, it seems in my eyes that when they are on the court, they're not playing like as a team. Like you see Olympiacos playing as a team, and on the other side, you just see everyone. I mean, not everyone, but a lot of individuals that are just you know going with the flow and 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 that's it so how can you win when when you are playing two different styles and it's just really hard and bacon hits 6 from 8 from downtown it won't happen
1: again he's not that good of a shooter
2: he is he is after this game where he shot pretty well yeah uh he's uh 45 and from 2s and 32 percent from threes. Like before this for game, numbers, it was even, it was even, it was even worse.
1: The numbers went up.
2: The numbers 32. went up. It was like 40, 42, 30, 28% maybe from threes. He be- because game. he
1: takes a lot of step back threes that are not really his, his best weapon. But what I would like to emphasize is if you look at the box score and you say bacon score 30, uh, for Olympiacos, six players score double digits. Olympiakos had twenty-eight assists versus Pau ten. Uh, you have Walkup with six assists. You have Lucas with six. You have even Lorenzakis with five. Even Fal with five assists because in some cases he was double teamed and
2: he he's a decent passer as a center. He, I would say he, would have he had improved a, a lot. Important uh, role, yeah. very in that uh, run in the first half.
1: So they were sharing the ball. They were doing all all the right things. And even Isaiah Cannon finally uh, caught fire getting his open look. So they were playing beautiful team basketball. I'm talking about Olympiakos And Palatinaikos, they were playing star ball with one guy. That's Dwayne Bacon. And you don't win against Olympiakos in that way. The only way... Since you are the underdog, let's let's be clear about that. Pau is the clear underdog right now in this derby. Uh, the only way for you is to grind, to be physical, to play tough defense as much as possible, and offensively you have to share the ball. If you don't share the ball against a team as organized as Olympiacos, what can you expect? 70 points, that's what you get. I don't care that one,
0: one guy scored 30. It doesn't make any difference. I think that this was the loss for Pontnayakos, where after such a game, you can completely collapse uh, inside the locker room, especially. It was not just a bad loss against your biggest rival, but exactly. The body language was even worse than the quality of the game. Of course, it's it's related together, but watching that team, especially, uh, I, I will never forget the what was happening in the second quarter. It was one of the worst team chemistry pictures I, I've saw on a high-level team. Shocking. I think that Bacon was actually pissed that he didn't get enough touches in the first uh, in the beginning of the second quarter. And what happens when Bacon thinks that he's not getting the ball? Uh, so, of course, he stops playing defense. There was one presence uh, where Pajnaikos just lost the ball uh, somewhere in the paint. Olimpiago started a transition offense, a mm. fast break. And you could see like for 10 seconds on the screen, I mean, you see a lot of players, uh, Olympiacos uh, tried to to score uh, quick points, it didn't happen. But still, some other players were coming to the other side of the floor, and after 10 seconds, it was the first time when I saw Bacon coming back to the his his half court. Uh, in in some other situations, he was not just not playing defense at all. I mean, leaving Shaq McKissick like two being two meters away from him, uh, and just letting him to shoot uh, open trees. You can you can say that maybe it was related was to the risk, playoffs you know? uh, last year, and <clears throat> Bacon uh, he. Uh, disrespects McKissick as a shooter from that experience. And it was a risk, but to be honest, I think it was risk not calculated by the coach and scouting department. It was the risk calculated by Bacon uh, in my eyes. And and then what happened offensively when he was not getting the ball, of course, thanks to Olympiakos, uh, good defense trying to isolate him off the ball. Uh, he just took the ball and played G League basketball. When Nate Walters or anybody approached him to try to orchestrate the offense, he was like, Run away! I'm doing it by myself. It was like probably five possessions in a row where he, at the best, took a screen to, to launch a shot. But it was just completely iso basketball. And as you mentioned, I mean, in those situations, uh, team when the teammates showing completely that they're they're open, they're wide open for a good shot, and they're not getting the ball, it can completely destroy the chemistry. This already destroyed the chemistry during the game, uh, where you saw that it it felt like it. They might get into some kind of big argument, conflict, even during the game or uh, on the bench, and the whole, the whole look, the whole picture was, I rem- remember, uh, reminded me something like a New Year party somewhere outside the city, where you see a couple in a big conflict, and it's, it's, it's gross. Everybody feels uncomfortable with that but you know mm. that nobody can leave because it's half past 10 o'clock everybody is quite drunk it's 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 far These away from the your city new year parties no, no this no, is no, where no. you no? i actually had one of the best new year party <laughs> okay, but man. i'm from point i saw some some situations and it's like you cannot get out you're outside the city taxi is not coming you're you're too drunk to drive the car and you just have to suffer it for uh, another two hours so that was that was gross. Newer, uh, how, New Year, New Year party don't know, it Sounds and
2: kind of entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> this will make a nice headline, you know, on Greek media. Uh, Panathinaikos is like a couple on New Year, fighting couple on New Year's Eve. Uh, they will make the headline they want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, but uh, there so were there
0: I, I just wonder how they're gonna look after this game, mm. after this collapse. What? How what, they will what stick to What together. the reaction
2: will be? Uh,
1: let's see who are they facing. In their
0: I think they're facing next game. Uh, Bayern, Bayern away, and Bayern they have Munich. two important uh, home games:
1: Bayern Munich away, and then at home Fenerbahçe, Maccabi.
2: Yeah. Do you know, guys, this uh saying about a park about a, a shopping cart in a in a parking lot? Like you can decide uh, about a person if he brings mm. his uh, shopping cart to the to the place where it belongs, or just leaves it next to the car, standing in the middle of a parking lot. To me, one situation, like it's not about the game, it's about what happened during timeout. Like Bacon was unhappy in the second quarter, that run. And uh, a team manager or team staff member brought him a towel. and He just uh, u- used it. And then this uh, member of the team was standing like, you know, like me and me, Reed, did, away. me and Reed yeah. is right now. And he just, instead of, and he's like, you know, pass me, give me back the towel, you know, so I can take it and, and put it in a place and bacon because he was pissed i don't know because they were down 15 and he was not getting the ball uh he just froze this towel right o- over over this this person's head i'm like okay like how can you you know who who can sign this guy f- for a team you know how can you want a player you know that has such uh let's say char- characteristics because it's important to many teams uh, in Europe and, and it is, you're not only looking at the weaknesses and strengths of a player on the court but you also have to evaluate how he would fit in the team and you know, I'm seeing it's, it's only one moment, you know, but his body language makes it for me seem that, you know, it's not the only thing he does because how he behaves off the court so to me it's really hard to imagine, you know, them turning it around really, really quickly.
0: Yeah, and to me,
1: it's not a surprise. I don't see them making the playoffs. I mean, they will get some wins in the second half of the season, obviously. But, uh, well, right now they are 15th in the standings. Maybe not necessarily. I see them in the 15th position, but I don't even see them in the top 10. And I didn't change my mind when they were winning. I'm not really affected by them losing. And... Actually, I was working with the other game at the time, Zvezda uh, Barca, and I said to my colleague who was uh, covering the Greek derby that my game is going to be better because uh, your game is hyped. It's, it's the Greek derby, but I think some, some asses will be kicked. And in my game, it, it <laughs> should be a close one. And I was I was right, to be honest. I saw the scoreline was happening in, in Oaka, and Focusing on what's happening in Belgrade, I thought to myself, really, this is the right game to watch tonight. Not Pau Oli, this is the one. Zvezda-Barca, so it was crazy, really.
0: Yeah, it, it was disappointing, Darby, if you remember Partizan and Zvezda game. For sure. And everybody For was sure. hyping this game. There were a lot of EuroLeague uh, crew members, let's say, to, to, to broadcast this game, to, to show some behind-the-scenes uh, stuff. And actually, honestly speaking, I mean, the last game in the Greek League, uh, it was pretty close. Mm. Pan Nikos was just one shot away from 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 winning that game and of course with Vizenkov being out probably people thought that this is this is their chance to finally end that draw. I mean it was it's but like again it's just crazy shows losing streak against w- Olympiacos. What a great team Olympiacos is exactly. and, and exactly. even
1: even if you lose your star player it doesn't affect your team chemistry. You still play the same way, you still play the right uh, basketball, and we're focusing on the losing side of the derby. But if we focus on the winning side again, this game just proves that Olympiakos' Final Four material, they are so tough to beat. And when they are focused, focused on the task ahead of them. Like, it's it's just uh, poetry to watch Thomas Walkup doing exactly all the right things that the coach wants him to do, whether offensively or defensively. He's like the easiest guy to coach, probably. Yeah. Because whatever mission is,
0: if you would tell to him to go the, through the wall, yeah, he would,
1: if he if has him it. to lock the uh, opposition's best player, he'll do that. If you want him to organize the offense, distribute the ball, he will do that. If you encourage him to take uh, spot up shots when he gets the opportunity, he will take those shots. And we see this season, like last season in the regular season, he was kind of struggling shooting the ball, but this season even his numbers are great. Like his averages are for many players, they, they, they seek those numbers and they just don't get them. And at the same time, he's probably, I would say a contender to be the defensive player of the year, because usually it's very easy to give the defensive player of the year to a big guy. But if we focus on perimeter, Thomas Wolkop is probably the Marcus Smart of, of Euroleague. I would say that maybe a good comparison.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's hitting those shots, he's he's almost a complete uh, player for that team. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, having that game without the potential MVP of the season just tells us how great this team is as a team. And maybe that's why I have this hard time of... Uh, Having Vezenkov as a clear uh, MVP contender because this whole system, this whole team, and of course Kostas Lucas orchestrating the offense, this is what makes this team incredible. Not just some individual players, Vezenkov or, or or anybody else. So, so yeah, Lucas is an underrated <clears throat> guy behind
2: this Vezenkov's
0: MVP case. Just like maybe uh, this kind of the same happened with Kalaitis and and Miritic last year.
2: No, I'm just uh, maybe wouldn't agree so much that it, this game showed how good Olympiakos is. To me, it was just uh, all about, it was too easy for them. I mean, they are good, but they played against an unorganized an team and just a team that was doing everything bad in the first half. And Olympiakos just simply needed to play a pick and roll, make one skip pass, and then they're scoring. Or you know, a post-up for Mustafa Fal and. Nobody knows when to help, nobody's coming to help on the pick-and-rolls, like nobody's talking and, yeah, they are good, but their play style against such a team that uh, Panathinaikos is right now, it's just, in my eyes, it was too too easy for them. Like, they are good, but I wouldn't say that this game made me feel better about Olympiakos than, than before.
1: I was pretty okay with them before, so I'm not saying things <clears throat> changed, I- do see them as a Final Four contender. You cannot say a Final Four lock because in this EuroLeague it's pretty hard to
0: lock anybody in the Final Four. Okay, let's go to the better game. Yeah, yeah better Red game. Star Barcelona. How do we feel about Nikola Miretic risking Barcelona after stepping on the line before his crazy... Well, I feel,
1: I feel kind of sorry for, for Zvezda because they fought their hearts out and they really gave everything they had to win this game and they were so close. So that was a very unfortunate mistake by the refs. But at the same time, let's not take away from Miratic what a shot. I mean, it's not like he stepped on the line and he went for a layup. Yeah, he <laughs> nice. did step on the line. Yes, it was out of bounds. Yes, it was a missed call. But he made, like, the shot of the season. I cannot say the shot of the year, because in 2022 we had Vasa game-winner over Vizenkov in in the semifinal. But that was a crazy shot with such a high arc. And I don't really want to focus on on the missed call. I would like to focus on the shot. Uh, Because other than that, it wouldn't be fair to complain about refs saying that, oh their Barca fans, like EuroLeague always helps Barcelona and all these big clubs, blah, blah, blah. Nothing as such happened in the game. Actually, Charos got two technicals in the beginning of the overtime. I don't have any issues with the refereeing in general in that game, but that was a critical mistake. Of course, it's being talked about. I don't really feel angry or anything as such because the shot by Mirotić was so, so great, so spectacular. I...
2: Because you are a basketball fan. I mean, in I lived it.
1: <laughs> I loved it. And actually, at the time, I didn't realize he stepped on out of bounds. I only, I only uh, realized it when I saw the uh, pictures mm. uh, after. I think the, the only game. guy exactly. who
0: realized it it was that fan on the court yes. <laughs> who <He> was <laughs> pointing the finger, and nobody else saw yes. that.
2: It was, it was historical, but, but even, iconic. Even moment. on the replays, like. I, I don't think anyone realized on the, on the replays mm. immediately. It's not that clear. You need to... I mean, when you know
1: that he stepped on it, it's clear, yeah. then you focus on it and you see it. But w- watching the game live, I, I couldn't think of it. I mean, I thought it was everything. It was just a clean basketball play. Like I think Higgins delivered the ball to him. Then the pump fake. And then the shot. Man, and that's crazy. That's fall, fall away, high arcing three for the overtime. And the reaction from Mirotic after making the shot. Mm. He had his head down and went to the bench.
2: Let's play. Continue.
1: Like, that's, that, that's my job. What do you guys expect? That's my job to make these kind of <laughs> shots.
0: Although I think that this situation, this mistake is another... Uh, signal that we have to step forward with referees we need to improve this apartment and I uh, department and I've, I believe that that should be on the agenda of the EuroLeague uh, board and EuroLeague management I think it's it's the time to bring a fourth referee put him behind the screen to check those situations to do something like in football to avoid those situations uh, I'm not saying that he should be. He should have the same role in, as in football for the entire game, but at least for those crucial situations in the last uh, two minutes of the game, uh, to call off uh, moments like that if if, if that happens. Uh, because I believe that recently we had some uh, some bad moments starting from refereeing, and it's of course it's different. Different if uh, refs are missing the call when the ball is in play, and just let's say Mirotić or that's another play and somebody misses the shot there was foul and called and there's a transition so you cannot stop the play and then say hey guys that was a foul let's let's award him two free throws because maybe in the transition the other team already scored but in the moments like this where this there's a clear uh start and the end of the play uh, and and you can do some adjustments. I think it would really help. It it would also help with situations like referees coming to the table to check for two seconds for two missed seconds in the game, and they stop the game for like two minutes. That would also fasten the game. So I just believe that we should do something uh, with the fourth referee to help the game become more faster and avoid situations like this. And the other thing is related to user experience of the EuroLeague fans, uh, I would say sometimes in, in games, uh, there are questionable calls and from, from our perspective, even I, as a journalist, I don't know the, the rule book, how this sh- situation should be solved, uh, in the game. And maybe EuroLeague could do something like the NBA, I think it's called the NBA replay, uh, sender yeah. uh, where they call the referee who is, uh, who can, um, who can say uh, whether it was a good call, whether it was a mistake, or just to give uh, more information about that particular play? One one thing to protect the referees because there are a lot of situations that, where fans are think that where fans think that it was an obvious mistake by refs. Sometimes even uh, TV commentators don't know the ruling and they made their own judgments, uh, bad judgments. And sometimes you just really never know. And some uh, inside look from the referee's department, I'm not saying for every game, but at least for the game of the week, uh, let's say, you can, you can do something you know to improve the quality of, of user experience and at the same time to help uh, referees. Yeah, NBA, know, like, NBA, NBA
2: Replay Center has this
1: Steve Javi G- extra Steve Jabby, uh, He explains all these things uh, and usually it helps. Sometimes these are very obvious things, but yeah. sometimes he—you never
0: know. Uh, actually, actually, you never sometimes know with what kind of calls more you, difficult decisions
1: get. he helps. His explanation helps because he's a very experienced ref. But uh, I don't really buy your idea about this fourth referee and all that stuff uh, because in this case, uh, well, as the fans can hate me as much as they want for saying that, but I wouldn't want this to be a rev- reviewable play. I think it goes against the spirit of the game. I hate some of the things that happens in football with VAR. And in this case, the shot happened. Uh, the emotions, everybody lived it. And then the ref goes to a screen. He says, well, Miritic was out of bounds. The shot doesn't count. We put two more seconds on the clock because that's the moment when he stepped on the lines. Vesas ball. I don't think it will improve my basketball watching experiences. Things like that probably killed the spirit of the game a little bit. Mm. I'm willing to survive and live with ref's mistakes, but it's easy for me to say because I'm not a fan of any team. I'm not the the owner of any team. I'm not a coach, I'm not a GM, I'm not a player or or anybody. I I don't associate myself with any of those teams. I'm just somebody who enjoys watching basketball, enjoys all the drama, and I'm somebody who wouldn't want this shot to be canceled ruled out because he stepped on the line if the call was made during the time then of course the shot doesn't happen and that's fine i i get it but i don't think it should be a reviewable play
2: i don't know to me zvezda should have uh won they the should game. have
0: won the game even before that play. like yeah, the, rev, the, the ref
2: should have seen it and uh, yeah they should have won the game they had a lot of uh like they have the, they had the lead twice, I think, in the fourth quarter. 12-point lead. 12-point right. lead and then in the beginning and then 8-point lead with three minutes to go. I was watching the game with my friend and he's like saying, uh, oh, the the game is finished. Like, you know, they make the shot right now. And I'm like, no, no, wait, there's, there's three minutes still left. Right. You know, everything can happen. And then Sharas used the Brines uh, extremely well uh one transition free two set plays for him that they usually run uh barca attacking zvezda with pick and pops of uh shanley it was quite a theme in the fourth uh but to me it was a weird uh, why zvezda did not foul i mean probably uh it was i think lazic on Corey higgins defending on the last play and he was thinking okay if i try to foul now probably higgins is going to you know do this motion uh, shooting motion and draw free free throws. But uh, he delivered the ball to Mirotić. still no foul, and then you know, th- this is what happened. And I think re- maybe the referee was so um looking at the possible foul because of the time remaining yeah. that maybe he did that that's why he did not see the uh foot on the line actually. So uh Zvezda played a fantastic game even with Willdoza out from the quite quite the beginning of the game and and to be it to plus plus twelve against Barcelona with without your uh one of the two best players to me was that was impressive and that was a really good game and Zvezda is showing really that they are you know playoff material. They punished Barcelona's switch defense perfectly. Mitrovic
1: five offensive rebounds, I think. Petrushev was a beast. Uh, uh, was a beast. They were scoring from the paint. they didn't have three pointers, actually. They only made three from 20. And that's that was the only advantage of Barca because... Barca made 17. They were hitting shots. Thomas Sotoransky had his career record in the first quarter. I I checked, and before this game, his career high was three three pointers in a single game. That happened in 2016. Now he had four in the first quarter. That, w- that was already his career high. And then he didn't score for five hours or something. (laughs) He scored (laughs) only in the fourth quarter or in the overtime. But either way, uh, Barca got hot from the very beginning. They uh, built this 11-point lead, and then you saw that Vildosa is out. Actually, in the second quarter, he was already dressed in street clothes. It was clear he cannot play. And then probably a lot of people were thinking, well, this is going to be an easy W for Barcelona. Because what can you expect? They are already leading by 11. They're making every single shot. Bars uh, Zvezda cannot make anything from the perimeter. And they lost Vildosa, Arguably their bl- best player. But uh, really a lot of credit to Neman Janedowicz, how he stepped up in this game. He was a true leader of the team. And he did all the right things. Like when he was driving to the paint. He was always looking for the extra pass, always looking for the cutter. Usually that guy was Dobrich uh, with his uh, back doors, and Nedovic was dishing assists. At the same time, he was very aggressive, attacking the rim, drawing fouls, making all the free throws. He was playing like a, like a heart and soul of, of Cervena Zvezda. And the heart and soul of the last season was on the opposite side, that's, uh-huh. that's Nikola Kalinic. And that was a great game to watch, an entertaining game to watch. And I think Zvezda was the better team for uh, three quarters out of four. Only in the first quarter, Barca was better. And what happened in the fourth when when uh, Zvezda built the 12-point lead is like, I'm not going to say desperation plays, but then you're just putting everything on Abrinas to make those shots and Shanley to hit one or two off the pick-and-pop situation. Higgins also made a free, and that was the comeback. But at the same time, Barca had so many problems getting the defensive rebound. and
2: if Which is weird from, you know, from They're from playing Barcelona.
1: switch defense all, almost throughout the whole game with Vesely. They, even with Shanley, I think they were switching most of the time. So they had problems with rebounds, and then again, when when Barcelona was getting closer, Zvezda had opportunities. Uh, I know Markovic is not a shooter, but there's a wide-open spot-up shot. If he makes it, the game's closed. Uh, Ben Till also had a spot-up shot. A free
2: throw uh, when they were plus three. Yeah. Yeah, missed free throw. He made the free throw and the game was
0: over. But yeah. he, he missed the second one. So.
1: so they had opportunities to avoid Barcelona even having a shot at overtime. Then Mirotic happened. And then in the overtime, it was kind of strange shots getting these two technicals uh, in, in like 30 ba- back seconds. Back to back 20 seconds. Yeah, but Barcelona players were making most of their shots. Actually, f- I think in the first position, Corey Higgins hit the shot that was kind of similar to Mm Mirotic's fourth quarter shot. Also high arc, also uh, contested. And yeah, I mean, Barca got lucky in my opinion uh, to win win this game. And you have to respect Zvezda. They lost Vildosa due to an injury. Kampazzo was not available. Basically, Dusko Ivanovic was working with the roster that they They had had in the beginning of the the season. So and, and they were the better team, in my opinion. Mm. Defensively, offensively, clear ideas how they want to punish Barcelona. Uh, again, Barca had a plan to play switch all defense, which makes sense when you start with uh, Satoransky, Laprovitola, Kalinic, Mirotic and Vesely. So it kind of makes sense, but it just didn't work because they couldn't be physical enough in the paint. And Petrushev... I mean, he was showing his talents in in this game. Whether he played as a four or as a five.
2: The guy can score. Yeah, for sure.
0: Can you believe that Petrushev was actually... uh, He had the chance to land in Jalgiris. Uh, And I would say for reasonable money, Jalgiris decided to go with Lorinas Berutis. How crazy now it looks like. I mean, okay. Not instead of Roland Schmitz? uh, No, no. Petrushev as as a backup center. Wow. Somebody to, you know... Hayes. I mean talent wise. I heard that there was a let's say an opportunity to sign him because of course he was coming off a difficult experience and, and FS he was looking for situations to get more playing time to get more opportunities uh, to show what he can he can do uh, on the floor. I mean him and Cavarius Hayes would look as a very interesting
2: center lineup. Alger probably wouldn't need to look right now for an improvement if Petrushev, you know wasn't team. That's also true. That's also you true. Know, if Because in if case if you need true. some
0: strong man inside the paint, you can also use Roland Schmitz as your as your fireman. You know, mm. to, to 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 bulk I inside. would I
2: would love Schmidts being uh, used more in Žalgiris offense. To be Full. honest, talent wise, probably there's nothing to say.
1: Petrushev versus Birutis, but we know the philosophy of Žalgiris they always prefer Lithuanian players, so that's what they did. But well, maybe people didn't even expect Petrushev to be so good offensively this season after what happened in FS. He still has his defensive flaws, I would say. But I would say,
2: uh, you know, in FS the problem was the defense. That you know why he was not playing and he wasn't even succeeding and he he wasn't on the court. So offensively, yeah. like you could have seen that he was yeah. he belongs to 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 this level. Yeah. And also Mitrovic had a <clears throat> crazy game.
0: Another Did fighter. Turn and out three-pointer. It was actually one of these three pointers was, wow, Mitrovic that was crazy. Yeah. Turn and out <laughs> yeah. off the board. <laughs> yes, I mean, exactly. Hell? So that <laughs> hell. that so
2: was even harder than the Miratis shot. And they had much harder. Three three pointers. <laughs> yeah. They had three three-pointers and one of them was was this shot. Like it's how many times you will see in a game that one team is making 17 frees and the other is makes three and you can barely say like they were supposed to win. You know the the, the team mm. with three three pointers.
1: But again, Mitrovic, Dobrich, nedovic Petrushev, Petrušev—that's the big four. These guys were battling, doing all the right plays. I think Dusko should be proud of his players. And another guy is of course uh, Stefan Lazarević, who is willing to sacrifice his numbers, sacrifice his body. He doesn't care about the stat line. He had a task to guard Vizenkov uh, against Olympiakos. He did that perfectly. Now he had a task uh, with Mirotic. Uh, let's remember that Miro had zero points after the first half. He only started scoring in the third quarter. And Lazarevic was, again, all over his face. So, um, like, what can you expect when when you have a team full of uh, warriors, full, full of... Team-oriented players, uh, and now we have the right coach, uh,
2: as we see. So exactly, when will
1: Vild- Dosa gets back and Camposa starts playing, <laughs> you can expect some some big things.
2: They need com- they need to uh, you know f- fix the papers with Camposa now with the injury. of Those as soon as fast, but just the last thing to add to you, like Lazarevic played twenty-one minutes, zero zero from zero from the court, two assists, four fouls, minus two, par. And people
1: who didn't watch the game could say, like, he played blank
2: minutes. Mm. And uh, Lazic, you didn't mention, the biggest yeah. fighter of them all, probably. Yeah. 24 minutes, one shot attempt one from the corner, he missed that three. One turnover, three fouls, minus four efficiency. 0.0 assists, zero and, rebounds. You know, completely empty stat line, but these guys do, you know... You can't, the box score doesn't do justice for those type yeah, of players. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, Where they have you
0: score 30 points or where, where you finish scoreless. Wow. The box, box score <laughs> doesn't give <be> a clear <laughs> And you're right,
1: you're right. The conclusion of this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're right about Campazzo. I agree that they need him right now because Vildos is out for a month. Nedovic needs help. I don't think extended minutes of Stefan Markovic is a good solution. So you must have compasso available in and the upcoming games. App. yeah.
0: We actually mentioned jalgiris and potential players who could help them to improve their situation, which is already great. Nobody saw them coming. Uh, nobody saw them participating in the playoff conversation. Finishing
1: the, the year with... Eight eight, yeah, and uh, they're tied for fifth position, and they're were so close to winning in Monaco.
0: Pretty, pretty good competitive uh, basketball, and now they declare that they're looking for a potential addition. Addition, uh, looking at the front court uh, at first because of Tyler Cavanaugh and his injury and and clear uh, timeline uh, for the return. Do you think? Who do you see as a potential as a player who could really improve them? at this point of their season. And do we all agree that they need big, more than a guard, when you see Keenan Evans sitting on the bench?
1: I don't know if they do need a big more than a guard. I think they need both. But uh, probably they they should go for a big, uh, big guy, somebody who can play in the front court because in the backcourt, at least you have bodies. Mm. I mean, Lekavicius will be back on the court. So you have players like Dimsha, Gedraitis, Lekavicus, uh, of course, Evans, the star of the show. You're expecting Brasdekis to have some sort of improvement in the second part of the season. So at least you have bodies because if you look at their uh, front court, well, they're lacking bodies. Uh, since Kavanaugh's out, you're playing Schmitz as a four, then Ulanovas has to cover some minutes as a four, and at center you only have Hayes and Berutis. so uh, the first signing should be a big guy, and uh, knowing it's Jalgiris it, it won't be some expensive signing. It won't be so
0: Singleton, it won't be Jabari Parker. Yeah,
1: so Singleton, obviously, <laughs> is, is too expensive right now, although we thought of him as a as a possible solution. He, he uh, so sense. then if you lower your expectations, you go for James Gist as a veteran player. I'm not sure who's available in the free agency market. I don't think that right now is in the position to pay some buyouts to let's say Spanish league clubs like they did with, with Dion Thompson some years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, ideally I would like to sign a guard and a power forward slash center. But in this case, probably first of all, we're expecting a big, big guy.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you think? It's just so hard to me, like I said to you before. It's so hard in Europe actually to improve the roster during the season, because in the NBA you have you know trades. You can have trades. You can have you know signed players from Europe uh, here, and you and you have many more, much more teams. Here, it's so hard to take a player from a different team, even if he is struggling. You know, let's see Deshaun Thomas's case. And uh, and it's just, you know, Champions League or EuroCup players that are coming straight into the EuroLeague for the first time. You know, you don't know if they are even going to improve your team, even if these, you know, the top best players, because it's just, you know, the uh, adjusting phase that, that the player has to go through and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I believe that uh, they need improvements as soon as possible in the front court. Like in the backcourt, you have m- more bodies, and you have a system that is based on Keenan Evans, so you can f- uh, surround him with the d- defenders in the second and third position that can uh, that need to only you know score from a spot up freeze, you know, and, and and the system is working so far. We see, but you do, you have only three players right now in the front court, and that's that's not enough. Uh, it's good at uh, against Monaco because you know you know Ulanovas is good at the four because and uh, Mon- Monaco has John Brown at the four who doesn't really play with the ball. And so, they play
1: blossom game. Yeah, and
2: so and and he basically the same type of player as Ulanovas are. You know, he starts at the three. So, but if Zalgris, let's say meets a team who has a power forward who is really scoring in the post and he ha- and Milano has to guard him you know i see that as a as a as a problem so uh 4 and 5 would be ideal Deshaun thomas would be ideal but i think he's you know too expensive and doesn't really uh go away from milano yeah. or he had
1: some decent performances recently yeah, yeah. For, the for thing Atlanta. is
0: that it looked like Deshaun Thomas was on the move because he was not getting playing time uh, in, in Milan. And there was a lot of interesting from, from the other Euroleague teams because we all remember who Deshaun Thomas was so half like a six, year ago. Six
2: months ago, he was uh, balling against Barcelona yeah. in the in the quarterfinal series.
0: But but the thing is that especially after the last game where he got praised by Ettore Messina. And from what I heard recently, it's way more likely that he will stay in, in Milan until the end of the season, especially now where, where they're missing bodies. Although you can say that when all the injured forwards will come back, his playing time might be very limited. But at this point of the season, Milan really needs him. Etra Messina still believes in him. So let's wait and see uh, where it, it goes. I mean, you so, just mentioned a good thing. Who are available from the market, from Euroleague teams? How do you... like? That's the problem. How okay, you know Aquila Polonara might be available. Uh Atman already told that he's unhappy with his role. Uh he, he told that his his work uh, his agent is working on trying to find him a better situation. Uh, but at the same time, I think that he is just too expensive uh, for Zalgiris. And if Polonaro is leaving uh, back-to-back champs, he's definitely looking for some other situation. Mm. For instance, playing uh, under Dusko Ivanovic, who, who he had really good time uh, when he played in Basconia. So from Zalgiris' perspective, it's a, it's a big question. Because not only Zalgiris, some other teams are looking for improvement in the fourth position. And the market is it's so is so bad for them because you cannot sign any solid uh, uh, player who will for sure improve your team. Even Chris Singleton, it it might be that Chris Singleton start will start playing good basketball only when the playoffs kicks in or the Final Four, like mm. like the last year. So, it's, it's it's a tough situation to improve the EuroLeague team, whether you're Jaris or a team like FS Monaco, or, or, mm. or whatever. I remember
1: 2019-2020 when Jalgiris actually made a very solid addition in the middle of the season Casey when Casey Rivers? Rivers joined the team. But not always you will have these players available uh, in January. So, I'm, I'm but, thinking Casey uh, Rivers... It was not like Rivers, Casey Rivers was on the top
0: shelves of the market. He, he he had some uh, injury problems, some in bacteria or, or something, which that's why he was ruled out from Pan. Yeah, no, that's he was barely making the year league and he still had to so prove it. That's a, uh, what I'm saying. You yeah. need some luck to, yeah,
1: yeah. to to have a successful signing in January. Maybe I'm thinking about the guy that has been in Lithuania twice uh, signing some open contracts with the Ritas that was Morris Endur. So mm-hmm. a player like that could help Žalgiris right now. I think he's playing in, in Japan. So when you don't know the contract situation, maybe the player has the option to leave if he gets the offer from from a Euroleague club. I don't know any of those details, but uh, probably Zalgis needs somebody like this, somebody who can play as a power forward and as a center. But if you go for somebody like Deshaun Thomas, who's more of a three and four guy, then obviously you, you push Schmitz more Schmitz often to the, to, to yeah. the center position. <clears throat> So this is also a possible solution. And Deshaun Thomas would be a good addition, but let's just wait and see what happens. I mean, Żalgirius right now is in a better position in the standings than people expected. At the same time, some people are raising unrealistic expectations to make it to the final four in Konos. Uh Paulus Matiunas is usually... Uh, Very pragmatic. He doesn't make uh, emotion decisions based on emotions. They
0: won't find some betting company which it's not like they're gonna get two million
1: euros all all of a sudden. So from uh, Meridianbet. To me, the only the only regret is that they didn't beat Monaco because Monaco will not be that beatable as they were on the evening because they didn't have Jordan Lloyd. Mike James was not really well physically. He wasn't in the game, but. (laughs) Mentally, he wasn't. And Jalgis was leading for most part of the game. They were hitting shots with good numbers, especially in the first half. So that was a very good opportunity to get a win against one of these elite teams away from home and and they didn't do it.
0: It was just the same wasted opportunity like for Red Star against Barcelona. These both teams had the win in the, in the But past. Red
1: Star was unlucky and Žalgiris they had the luck in their own hands and they just threw it away in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And Mike James is a, a new guy, unique guy. It was the first game for him, and the first game in five years where he ended up the game without a field goal, which actually tells a lot about how great the player is if we make those calculations and those counts. Oh, Mike James didn't make a field goal and it happened five mm-hmm. years ago last time. Then he travels to Athens, he brings Don Toghol to to show him a Greek derby. Of course, the experience fails with this uh, crazy game in in Oaka. He met with Spanoulius. And I just wondered, you know, it was a kind of unexpected... Uh, you know, meeting between two of them. They played for different teams. Of course, they are both greats of the Euroleague. I just never thought that they get along together and I was thinking maybe Mike James is thinking about some some other moves in his <laughs> uh, post-retirement. <laughs> he mentioned that he should be a good GM, having an eye on Keenan Evans uh, before the season started. Now he's meeting with Spanulis, maybe taking some advices about head coaching. I don't know. I think he
1: wrote... It's crazy that on my day off, I went to a game and to a practice. Because oh. <laughs> Panulis as I understand, in in yeah. in, in a practice gym. Uh, but <laughs> this also has to be addressed. That offensive foul call on Mike oh. James is bullshit. bullshit. Absolute bullshit. And after that, he... Technical was well-deserved. Well, for sure. he yeah. threw <laughs> the ball. He <laughs> <It laughs> yeah. threw the ball. But the call... That's a bullshit <laughs> call. I mean, how can you... What do you expect, first of all? He's a ball handler. He's being pressured by a pretty big body, a pretty physical player, Arnaz Butkiewicz. So, of course, he's trying to get some advantage with the bump with his shoulder. It's not like he was extending his arm. I get it when he extends the arm and pushes the player. It's an offensive foul. But in this case, to me, it's just a basketball play. And giving a third foul to a star player, this again shows you the difference between your league and and, and the NBA. I cannot see in the NBA, for example, well, the, you have six percent of fouls. So let's say uh, it's the fourth foul on the table. And do you imagine a ref giving a charge in that situation to mm-hmm. Giannis, to Doncic,
2: to LeBron? It's impossible. Star so players are not getting uh, called for, for that foul. Yeah, and no player Nothing should be get players. called for yeah, that yeah, yeah. foul. I mean, I don't no. care even... Yeah.
1: Even the simplest of point guards shouldn't be uh, punished for just using his shoulder to, to draw the contact and get some more space.
2: This is like exactly what they tell you to do in basketball school when you're pressured against, you know, some, the, let's say the best defender on the other team. Yeah. The coaches say to you, don't dribble, you know, between the legs, behind the back. Don't try to switch directions three times. What they tell you to do is you take the ball, you choose one side. You sprint, and then in the end, when you cross the line, you bump the guy, and you get some uh, time to organize the game and organize the set play and pass. You know, make make the entry pass to the set play, and you do this when you play. uh, You do this like five, six times per game. You know, when they're pressuring you, and no one is ever getting called for a foul, like you said. If you like do this movement, full hand swing, then yeah, that's a foul. But when you bump with the shoulder. Like, like that's in, in in how football works no? like, you know, you don't, if you can, you can bump with the shoulder, you but can it has use your to shoulder, shoulder, to shoulder. shoulder to shoulder, but yeah. it was, it was kind of, you know, shoulder to shoulder yeah. because yeah. just was right here. It so. was just
1: a basketball play, nothing, nothing more than that. And uh, then you give the charge and then the technical, I mean, and the reaction was unacceptable. Of course, you, you must punish him with the technical. There's no other way, but uh, the reaction was summoned by the bad call before that.
0: Guys, we're short of time, so maybe let's wrap up 2022. What would be your
2: top three basketball memories? I have uh, Mitzic, step back game winner in the yeah. Final Four. I have uh, watching live Serbia, Greece and Yanis versus Jokic show. Fair that nice. was an amazing game with so many dunks and Jokic, the, that shot from the corner was probably the most memorable shot of the year, even more memorable mm. than the Mitzic game winner. And to me, I have Italy-Serbia, Italy's three-pointer show. I was so hyped, and uh, it was just a, such a cool moment to to witness.
1: Well, to me, first of all, Steph Curry getting NBA Finals MVP. He was Finally. Cha- he was a champion. He never got the MVP. Finally. Uh, that's that's the first moment. Then, I should agree with Mitzic, uh, game winner in the semifinal yep. over Vzenkov. That was a legendary shot we will see it for for many years
2: and after like 5 or 10 years when you probably Vizenkov and Misic have finished their careers it, it should probably will be even more legendary we will remember <laughs> these two as Euroleague greats and uh-huh. one hitting the shot after probably it's the second biggest <clears throat> final four shot after Pintus's game
1: and uh, the other moment to me personally would be uh Witnessing uh, Victor Wembanyama, oh okay, twice, live, yeah. live twice, because Super I was cool. in Paris to see his game, and then uh, French national team brought him to Panavijis, and to have the opportunity to see. Potentially one of the greatest players in the world before he steps a foot on the NBA court before he's drafted number one is something special, and I really loved it. So that that's one of the memorable moments to me.
2: You could say like this is this is going to be like you are you seeing LeBron James in 2003 in a high school game, you something know, like some, that, something like, something that. like that, potentially. That's huge, that's
0: huge. Uh, I actually had Olympiacos and Monaco series, of course, including Kevin Durant being live in those games. We're not used to see.
2: Wait, did, you you saw those live? No. No, no you no. saw Barcelona-Bayern. Yeah. Seriously. But it
0: was a pleasure to to follow the series with all these adjustments, individual performances, with all these uh, trash-talking experiences, and of course with KD in the gym and the apocalypse which happened after the Game 5. It was a beautiful to watch. That's why we want playoff series for the entire... Uh, post-regular season uh, phase. Uh, Serbian Cup final in niche. It might sound very random, but it was a great opportunity to watch live. The big Serbian derby, Partizan Zvezda, both fans allowed to go to the gym. So it's kind of a, a war zone, basically all the regulations. Nobody ca- cared about COVID regulations, although it had to be up to 50 or 30% of uh, capacity filled with fans. The, the gym was uh, full and, uh, and a sold-out crowd, uh, sold crowd. The game was bad, but the whole experience, uh, learning more about derbies, meeting some random fans in the restaurant, and then speaking of how they were used to beat Uh, opposing team fans and gas stations outside the uh, town was was something. Uh, Also, uh, Eurobaskets, the whole Eurobasket experience. And I thought about this one particular moment. And probably it was a post-game interview. The, the, The whole memory starts with Vilnius, friendly game, Spain, Lithuania. And after the game, I'm doing a short interview with Sergio Scariolo. He's sitting on this, I would say, uh, chest, uh, probably it's some uh, audio system or, or something of, of the arena. Uh, he's just sitting there and he tells me how painful, how stressful it is to watch Serbia versus Slovenia with so much talent on the court. and He has to deal with this roster. He has to build some team with that team, with a lot of new players, uh, with a lot of players which a lot of basketball fans all around Europe uh, didn't know nothing about before the Eurobasket. And then you see him, you know, celebrating the Eurobasket title with amazing coaching decisions. And of course, with amazing team efforts throughout the whole competition. And of course it includes all these memories about big teams and big players like Greece, Slovenia, and Serbia. So that was a hell of a year. And I'm even missing, you know, in my top three, I'm missing Ben I'm missing Mitic. So a lot of exciting things had happened in 2022.
2: So just one last note from me, you know, listening to what we mentioned as the best memories. We should we have to go to watch more game lives. Because we all included, you know, you mm-hmm. watching Venbanyama Live, sure. me watching Yanis versus Jokic Live, you watching Eurobasket and uh and ben and Serbian S- Cup yeah. Serbian Cup game. So uh at twenty twenty three resolution <laughs> to watch more game lives. Yeah.
1: That does does not, does not depend on sound, me. sound realistic for Ritis. <laughs> I think I have a... I usually have a <laughs> week off after the EuroLeague regular season. So then I go... Uh, to watch
2: NBA playoffs? I don't know. <laughs> no,
1: nah, I, I usually go to some countries uh, to see uh Champions League or something like that. Because I have a, final. a whole week. No, it's not the final. It's it's usually quarterfinal stage. When when EuroLeague's oh, regula, regular season, season. Okay, finishes I, I thought in final April, four. then you have a week without EuroLeague and and then the playoff starts I, I get this mini holiday uh, vacation or you could say
0: yeah it, it is do you have an hour 5 minutes for a short yeah. bold predictions for yeah, 2023 because let, you have to leave for for a football game
1: let's go 5 minutes is yeah. something i can survive
0: so let's go shortly everybody with, with two bold predictions um Well, first of all, I
1: would say that Bosconia and Zvezda makes the playoffs. Both, okay. Yes, because mm-hmm. we have six teams that are not being questioned, mm-hmm. and two open spots. Some people could say Maccabi. Some people could say something else. I say Zvezda and Bosconia. And <laughs> Bosconia right now is actually leading the <laughs> standings.
2: <laughs> That's not a bo- <laughs> both. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: A little bit. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm not saying that's something unrealistic.
2: Bold prediction would be Bosconia finishes first in the regular season. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not saying that, but... Home court advantage, I think, would also be a bold prediction. Mm. That would be huge for Bosconia, knowing how they play in the yes, Buesa Arena. For sure. Uh, I have an NBA prediction. Golden State uh, in the finals. Even without with how they are playing right now, even with Steph Curry injured right now, and uh, even though they're ninth, I think in the West, which is very competitive, and uh, but I still think when playoffs type playoffs time come, uh, they will be extremely dangerous. And uh, some 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 I know there are problems on this team this year, but I think some some guys are you know writing off that team too soon.
1: If that happens, that might be a repeat Warriors Celtics, and this time I would definitely go with the Celtics. Celtics.
2: Uh, What what about bold prediction? Would be Brooklyn in the finals.
1: I don't see them winning the East. I don't see them winning against Celtics unless injuries happen because you never know. Yeah,
2: but they're clicking. But it's good to see them uh, finally, uh, finally forgetting all the let's say bad stuff off the you court know, like and I finally s- concentrating on basketball. Like
1: I say about Brooklyn, they are always one tweet away from blowing <laughs> the team. But right now, things are clicking. Jacques One <laughs> is, is getting a lot of praise and they're winning games. They have a, like 11 or 12 game winning streak. Yeah. So good for them. But I still think Celtics is a better team and maybe even Milwaukee Bucks if Chris Middleton is healthy and ready to help Giannis.
2: So your NBA prediction would be Boston... Winning Uh, it all?
1: My prediction is Boston winning the championship, the Larry O'Brien trophy, and I I don't have an opinion about the West because anything can happen in the West. It wouldn't surprise me if the Pelicans uh, win win the Western Conference. Good choice. With Zion being healthy, if Ingram is back on the court, they have a deep roster. The young guys are... uh, very solid and they gained a lot from last season's experience going through the play-in tournament, so mm. I do believe that uh, Pelicans have what it takes.
0: Okay. Speaking of finals, I have a prediction that Greece will be in the FIBA World Cup Finals and they will have a legit shot to beat Team USA. Uh, first of all, I, I will believe Greece will bounce back uh, impressively, after the Eurobasket experience, Yanis uh, uh, Itois they will make their own adjustments, and then you have a great backcourt uh, with Kalaitis, he, who got his confidence back. Slukas was always amazing. We have Dorsey; he was already uh, great in Eurobasket, but on top of that, you might have Nazmitro long, for example. He would add a lot of uh, shooting and scoring. Uh, around Yanis uh, Larenzakis, he's playing his <laughs> year uh, his, his best year in his career then maybe Costa Santa Tucumbo will benefit from first of all turning uh, to 25 and playing half of the year uh, for Dimitris Tsitoudis and i think that uh, team USA they won't have their best uh, roster it's not the olympics so so they will have some uh, some, some some different names not elite players and they won't Play defense against Yanis like other uh, Eurobasket teams, for example. So it it will be it will be better fit for 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 Greece to be competitive uh, in the finals. And Euroleague champions, quick predictions have Barca, Actually, that would be my bold prediction because it's Konas, It would be an amazing fairy tale for for <laughs> Charis, maybe to finish it off his head coaching experience in Barcelona his future unclear in, in Barca they have all the experience in the world they need with Miritic with Higgins with Vesely they're not the most attractive team but the final four uh, kicks in it's the matter of handling two games the experience the patience the timing uh, will help them to improve their game uh, and for all the other pieces like I know Kurić or Satransky to, to, uh, to fit their team picture better at that final stage of the season and I say Monaco, because the
1: hard part is to Mike James. To, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the hard part is to make it to the final four. If you do make it, then you need to win two games against similar level opponents. It has been done before. If Monaco wins it, it would kind of remind me of of Maccabi winning with Tyrese Rice being the MVP. Uh, so as, as long as they're in the Final Four, I believe they can win it, uh, but the tough part is, of course, to win the quarterfinal series. depends on who you're facing. Right now, it's too too hard to predict what will be the pairs, but uh, yeah, I, I hope to see Monaco in the Final Four, and I believe they can win it, but at the same time, I, I see in the Final Four Olympiacos, Barcelona, and sort of a bold prediction, I think Real Madrid will not be there this time, Mm. I don't really trust, Chus Mattel yet to win a playoff series, a, series yeah. a playoff series. And one way or another, whether you finish a third, fourth or second in a regular season, you will face a, a very strong opponent. So I'm saying that Real Madrid will not be in CONUS in the final four.
2: Okay. Okay. And you? Well, Champions? Have the winners? Champions. Yeah. I was choosing between Anadolu and Barcelona. Okay. And uh, I just hope Anadolu makes the playoffs. And uh, again, you're gonna be slandered for calling them Anadolu. <laughs> oh my god, you either
1: say, can, Fs, can we cut this part? You either say, FS <laughs> you or, I, okay, or you Fs.
2: say, Anadolu. Okay, I'm choosing FS <laughs> 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 not as the champions, but to call them <laughs> FS. No, no, uh, I mean, again,
1: free peach. Historical free-peat.
2: No, I, I believe I believe it's uh, Shara's time in Barcelona, but I think the final will be between these two teams.
1: I think it's about time for Ataman to do something even more special. So maybe it's time to Not win the EuroLeague from the eighth seed.
2: That would be, you know, wouldn't be a bad matchup against Bosconia for them as, <laughs> as the standings are right now. <laughs> I mean, you judge on maybe he's right projecting, uh, you know, this uh, uh, already at the moment. So. But yeah, but FS again,
1: they continue to surprise me. Like in some games you you start thinking, finally, they're treating the regular season seriously. Like they played against Olympiacos or against Barcelona. And then all of a sudden they're losing the fourth quarter in Tel Aviv. What was the scoreline? Twenty-two. 20 to two. two I think at, at one point it was <laughs> 20 to two. And then you, you're thinking like, how does this happen? And yeah, there there are so
2: many strange results not taking Euro. it away this, from Maccabi their
1: home form is is amazing they're winning almost every game at home was seven1 Seven Seven one. One. at home yeah led by Lorenzo Brown who's again probably is not one of the MVP considerates but hmm. the way he's, he's
2: playing he should be on the list the probably the most valuable <laughs> he should be on team, the list uh, all, as all a potential guys. MVP because he's just leading this team. Uh, we we kind of have to talk about his shoulder situation because he's carrying the Maccabi too too hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably I mean, we have to talk about look, it soon. <laughs> he should ask Doncic
1: for some advice uh, as as far as we see the recovery beer works because uh, Luka recovered. <laughs> Coach Popovich promised to keep him under 50. Luka scored 51. 51. They win by one. Obviously, if Pop's plan would have worked and Luka had 49, Spurs would win the game. But... Sports yeah. are not that interested in winning games right now. <laughs> they are interested yeah. in drafting. There is a guy in, uh, in, <laughs>
2: in Paris, you know.
1: Yeah, guys, uh, I, I would love to talk basketball with you for two more hours, but I actually have to go yeah. to, to work. Thanks. This is not work, let's say. This is a, hu- this is a hobby, a hobby, but I have to go to work. Thank you all for <laughs>
0: watching. Happy New Year, uh, everybody. You can follow us on basketnews.com and, of course, on Basket News YouTube channel. And see you very soon.